as previously stated, today is the beginning of 21 days of prayer, and uh, you know, I I love this season. I absolutely love this season uh, of of intentionally see. I, I and I love how Sarah said it in the news: um, intentionally seeking God, um, removing the things of the world in our lives so that we can intentionally seek heaven. And um, I love this part of our service um, that we do that we started doing last year. Uh, actually, this last September we started doing it, and um, we're going to continue it for the next three weeks. And so every week, like like Sarah said, we'll have a prayer focus. And this year, I think you'll notice. I I hope you notice. Maybe you won't, but. Um, it's, the prayer focus is a little different this year. This year, I, I wanted to, as I, as I sat down and I wrote out the prayer focuses for every day, I, I thought, you know, let's, let's deal with some things that we struggle with. Let's, let's, let's focus on God, yes, but focus on our relationship with him. And so um, this week, our prayer focus, and I'm going to talk about this in today's message, but our prayer focus for this week is removal of shame. The truth is, is that every human experiences shame. We'll talk about that today, but before we do, I want to invite my friend and prayer coach, uh, of the Refuge Church, Dave Moxie, to come out and to lead us in 21 days of prayer. Prayer. Good morning. Would you stand with me as we bow our heads and close our eyes and honor God in his presence with us? Almighty God, you alone worthy of all honor and glory, all praise and worship and adoration. You alone are worthy of all authority and power. Abba, Father, you love us beyond our comprehension. Your love provided Jesus to take on the cross. And your power brought him out of that tomb to show us that we have a hope and a future, a life and eternity with you. Father, as we gather over these next days, I ask you to bring the fullness of your spirit to those who gather here and the fullness of your spirit to those who are unable to come but Pray at home. Pray where they are. Father, thank you that you are ready to listen, that you hear, that you see. Father, in these days ahead, give us the strength and the courage to ask ourselves what keeps me from praying. Father, thank you for this day, 
that you have made. Help us to rejoice and to be glad in it. You alone are worthy of all honor and glory and praise. And I thank you in the mighty, loving, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Dave. Uh, man. This morning, and, and by the way, tomorrow morning we'll meet here at 6 a.m., um, for anyone that wants to join us for prayer time uh, over the next three weeks, 21 days, uh, from Mon on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll meet here at 6 a.m. On Saturday, we'll, get, we'll meet here at 9 a.m. So uh, no one likes to get up at 6 a.m. on Saturday. So uh, we'll be here at 9 on Saturday. So you're all welcome to join us. It'll, it'll be a time where we'll do a quick devotion We'll break away for private prayer, and then we'll get together for corporate prayer, and it's an amazing, amazing season. So um, today, in the spirit of, of prayer, I thought we would begin a series that I'm calling Shameless Prayers. Shameless Prayers. If I'm honest, every year, the very first series of the year is, is, is a focus on, on discipline, Christian spiritual disciplines, like it's it's one of our deepest series of of the entire year. Um, now, I say deep, but there are there's a lot of different perception about what deep deep is. My idea of of a deeper truth is one that, if applied, will grow you closer to Jesus. Period. It's and it's and it's not. It's not surface that um, it will introduce you to Jesus. It's deep because it's to help you get to know Jesus. And so we want to get to know Jesus every single series. And so the series that we're begin beginning is a four-week series um, leading us all the way up to, to February. I want to tell you where we're going. So today we're going to talk about that question that Dave talked about. In his prayer, what keeps me from praying? Hopefully today we'll answer that from God's word. What keeps me from praying? Some of you are like, Pastor Adam, I pray every day. I'm sure you do. But are there ever moments where you don't feel like it? I know we always have moments that we don't feel like it. What is it that gives us that feeling of not feeling like praying? We're going to discuss that this morning, next Sunday. We're going to talk about what does prayer even accomplish? What does prayer accomplish? Today, or in week three, we're going to talk about the mistakes that we often make when we pray. The mistakes that we often make when we pray. Week four, we're going to talk about the most loving act that you can ever do for anyone else. The most loving act that you can ever do for anyone else. And then the next series after this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of a lot of vision for the future today, I hope. But the, the next series, starting in February, we're going to talk about shameless relationships. So shameless prayers will lead us to shameless relationships. And we're going to address some shame in 2023. And hopefully, God will remove that. But today, I want to show you from Scripture why shame is such a big deal. 
Why is such a big deal? So why are we talking about shameless prayers? I want to read for you a story that Jesus told his disciples right after he taught them how to pray. We know how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We know the, the Lord's prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when, he, when they asked him, how do we pray? But immediately following that, Luke's gospel records a story that Jesus tells to explain prayer. We're going to look at that story this morning. But before we do, we have to look at, um, at something that the Bible teaches us about our emotion. Because it's an emotion that prevents us from praying. And we have to, we have to understand a little bit um, a, a little bit of psychology this morning, but, but, but according to God's word, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter two, chapter 20, uh, verse 25. We're going to look at it in a moment. And if you want to follow along with today's notes, you can do so in the YouVersion Bible app that Sarah told you all about. Um, it's a great app because um, it, it has the ability to share our notes from Sunday, but it also has the plans that you can read Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, um, and uh, Monday through Sunday, really, uh, hope, and help you get into, into God's Word. Before we, uh, we read Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, I love, and, I, and listen, I know we've already prayed twice this morning, but I love to ask God to speak to my heart anytime I open his word. So can we do that? Can we, can, would you bow with me? Father, um, your word is alive, it's active, it's quicker than any two-edged sword. It pierces my soul and spirit. Father, I, I pray that as we read your word, that it would speak to us. Father, I pray that you would allow us to focus on what you're saying to our hearts today. That we would learn from your word and your word alone. It's your word that's more powerful than Adam's word. So, Lord, I pray that your word would be loudest today. But that in its volume, I pray that we would understand that it's a whisper. Because it speaks to our soul. I pray, God, that you would speak to our souls today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 says this. It says, now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. What a beautiful verse. <laughs> they were naked, and they felt no shame. They weren't ashamed of their nakedness. Now... We know what happens next. Most of us know. Not all of us might know, but all of us know what happens next. This is the story of the Garden of Eden. It's Genesis chapter 2. It's the first book of the Bible. God creates the heaven and the earth. He creates Adam and Eve. He creates man and, and woman, and he creates them in his image. You know what the image of God means? It means that we don't feel shame. It means that we don't feel guilt. It means that we're not anxious 
Because God doesn't feel those things. We're in his image. And then we all know what happened. Eve eats of the fruit. And then she takes it and she goes to her husband, Adam. And she says, eat this with me. And he does. Watch what happens next in verse 7 of chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And suddenly they felt what? They felt shame at their nakedness. Now, there's, there's a series, there's, there's a study. I was, I, was, I was looking my notes over before service and I was like, God, they're ashamed, and, and I have to study this. I'm not, I, I'm not, this is really fresh. They're, they were ashamed at the result of their sin. They weren't ashamed at what they did. They weren't ashamed at their action. They were ashamed at the result. I don't, I don't, I have to dive into that, because I'm not, I'm not really sure what God is, is saying here. But they were ashamed at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The very first emotion that human beings felt after the first sin, after the first wrong, after the first disobedience, the very first emotion was shame. It's the core emotion that we all feel when we sin. The first result or the first feeling is being ashamed. Before we move on, we have to understand a little bit of psychology. Now, I don't like to preach psychology. I like to preach God's word. However, we have to understand a little psychology this morning. And... I'm, I'm no psychologist, but I've been to a psychologist, right? I've been, I've been to a counselor. I've been to a therapist. And th- this is something that um, my, my previous counselor that I saw taught me. And it, he taught me the difference between core emotions and hi- inhibitory emotions. Two different types of emotions that we all feel. The first one is core emotions. Core emotions we feel in our body. We feel it inside of us because of a, it's a body, body experience. The core emotions are sadness, fear, anger, joy, excitement, and disgust. We've all seen Inside Out. Thank you, Disney, right? All those feelings that the little girl feels in Inside Out were core emotions. Some would say that those are, are good emotions. However, the other type of emotion is what's known as inhibitory emotion. They're called inhibitory emotion because they inhibit us. They're emotions that we experience in the mind. Inhibit means to paralyze. These three inhibitory emotions will paralyze us. If we continue to live in them, 
the three inhibitory emotions are shame, anxiety, and guilt. They paralyze us. They stop us from moving forward, especially when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Why is it that Satan often makes us feel guilty when Jesus already says, no, 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 you're forgiven. You're redeemed. It's wiped away. There is no guilt when we experience the life-giving spirit of Jesus. When we call on the name of the Lord, we allow him to save us. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame. There's no more anxiety. Inhibitory emotions will paralyze us in growing in our relationship with Jesus. And Jesus' story to his disciples. It amazed me when I, when I discovered this. Because the problem with inhibitory emotions is they paralyze us. So what keeps us from praying? Read with me Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 8. Luke chapter 11, 5 through 8. Knowing that shame is an inhibitory emotion. Listen to this story. Verse 5, read it with me on the screen. Then teaching them about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Listen, I'm your friend. Don't come to my house at midnight looking for bread. You can ask my wife. You don't want to come to my house at midnight looking for bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night. And my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Verse 8, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. This, this spoke to me. Though he won't do it because, just because he's your friend. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. Here's what I believe Jesus is telling, teaching us in this story. And it brings me to my big idea today. The one thing I want to communicate to all of you this morning, if I had one thing I want to teach you, it would be this. Shame prevents us from praying. Shame prevents us from praying. Now, if you're here today, and you can't seem to figure out why you can't pray. Maybe you can't seem to figure out 
what it is. Like, I just, I want to talk to God. I just can't find the time. <laughs> time ain't your problem. Maybe you're here and you, and you do pray, but there are just moments where you don't feel like it. I hope that this message can unlock the secret that allows you to pray in any moment at any time, no matter what the circumstances. Can I submit to you this morning that we all struggle with shame? We all experience shame. It is a part of the human experience to be shameful, to be ashamed. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take a look, a look at this story, and I want to give you four characteristics about shamelessness that I think we can all learn from. Four characteristics of shamelessness that we can all learn from. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. My pastor always says, note takers are history makers. And I love that. Number one, shamelessness knows who it's who. Let me say this again. <laughs> shamelessness knows who its friends are. Shamelessness knows who its friends are. Verse five, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. How many of you know that you can go to a real friend's house at midnight? When I was a youth pastor, um, I had this kid knock on my door at 2 a.m., drunk as a skunk. He knew he could come to my house. That's a part of being a pastor, by the way. But still, don't come to my house at midnight. We have coaches for that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, coaches. I'm just kidding, coaches. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can go to a true friend's house at midnight. I, I joke, but if you need, you can come to my house anytime. Good luck finding out where I live. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, we have, anyway. You can go to a real friend's house at midnight. But I don't, I think what Jesus is teaching us in, this, in this, this parable is teaching us not just about the friend that does the shameless persistence, that has the shameless persistence. He's also teaching us about the one that he's, that, that he's being shameless, like that he's shamelessly pursuing. He's teaching us about both characters in the story. I think it's clear that we are, the person that is doing the seeking. We are the person that's doing the knocking. We're the person that's supposed to be shameless. But God is the friend that you can call on at any moment. No matter what the circumstances. Without shame. And some of you are in this room and you've been brought up to believe that God in a relationship with him causes shame. No, 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 no. That's not from God. That's from Satan. He wants us 
to shamelessly pursue him. I hope you all have friends that you can go to about anything. The story, the friend comes over, but it's also why the friend came over. The kind of friend that says, yes, you can approach me about anything. I hope you have friends that you can approach about anything. That you can tell anything to. I've, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. If you're the only person that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. You have to have people in your lives that you can tell them anything. And they'll say to you, don't be ashamed of that. Jesus is here to forgive you of that. He's here to take that away from you, to lift off the burden of you. So that you don't have to be paralyzed by your guilt and your shame any longer. Because Jesus took care of that on the cross. We have to have friends that we can talk to about anything to get rid of our shame. And the reason for that is because God's goal with every human being is confession. He wants us to be able to come to him to confess. The way we remove our shame is by confession. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I'm sorry, look at, look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. I'm going to get to 1 John 1, 9 in just a moment in, our, in my second point. Can I just say real quick, my iPad didn't charge this week. I'm preaching from paper. Going old school, but it has got me so distracted. Anyway, <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation for those who belong to to him. The power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The power of sin that causes shame is gone because there is no condemnation in Jesus that allows us to go to him about anything. There's no condemnation. We can go to him about anything. So we shouldn't be ashamed. Number one, the thing about shamelessness is it knows who its friends are. Number two, shamelessness admits its wrongs. Shamelessness admits its wrongs. Now, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness all unrighteousness, wiped away. Look at this, the verse from the story, verse 6. A friend of mine has arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Can I say 
that this part of the story was the very thing that the friend was supposed to be ashamed of? Like, he should have been ashamed that he didn't have a, a loaf of bread for his, for his buddy that was coming to his house. He was saying to his friend, you're not important enough for me to be prepared for. This is, this is shameful. I wasn't prepared. And now I have to go to another friend and ask him to have my back. Can you cover for me? The shameless one, the one doing the persistence, had to come to that moment where he knew he messed up. Mess ups can move us to either shame or confession. One or the other. Confession gets rid of our shame. But if we just sit there and we just hide it, we're just going to be shameful. That's why God's goal in every human being is confession. We have to come to the moment where we experience the forgiveness of God eliminating our sin and our shame and our guilt. There's so much that the blood of Jesus covers. Not just our shame, or not just our sin, but also our shame and also our guilt. God's goal for us all is freedom from all of it. Shame will keep you from confession. Shamelessness will admit that you're wrong. Number three, shamelessness doesn't care who it wakes up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Verse seven, I suppose he calls out from the, his bedroom. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked at night. And my family and I are all in bed. But the shameless one continues to knock and knock and knock and knock and knock until that friend got up. Because shamelessness does not care what other people think. Shamelessness doesn't care who it wakes up. A, a few of the commentaries that I read about this talk about he knew that he was going to wake up the family, but he didn't care because he had a need. He had a need that was so great that he didn't care what other people thought. He needed it met. Do you need a miracle or not? When we need miracles, it causes desperation. And desperation isn't something to be ashamed of. It's to be announced. I'm desperate. He left four people like that. <laughs> it's desperate. The question is, how desperate is the miracle that you have? That you need. Shamelessness doesn't care who it wakes up. 
That's why we have on, on our prayer cards, we have a place for you to write down prayer requests. For you to share. That's why at the end of every service we have prayer team up here so that you never have to leave carrying what you came in that you were desperate for. You don't carry the, the burden any longer. You leave it here. And one of the things that amazes me about prayer is that we can leave it at the feet of Jesus. We can get up and we can walk away and we can forget about it. You know how many times in my life I've prayed? And then the answer came, and I go, oh, I prayed about that. <laughs> it's happened way more than it should have, I'll tell you that. Why am I surprised? I asked God for it. Why am I surprised? I used to work for a pastor. This bothered me. I worked for a pastor that would deal with things, and he'd tell people he was dealing with it, but he wouldn't give the details. Maybe because he was ashamed of them. I don't know. I always want to give the details of my need for a miracle. Because that's what shameless persistence does. Can I just say that boldness and shame are like oil and water? They do not mix. You cannot be bold and be shameful at the same time. If you need a miracle, ask boldly. Remove the shame and persistently ask for it. Number one, shamelessness knows who its friends are. Number two, shamelessness admits its wrongs. Number three, shamelessness doesn't care who it wakes up. Finally, number four, shamelessness gets recognized by God. Shamelessness gets God's attention. Look at verse eight. I absolutely love this verse. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, this is something else that I have to dig deeper into and this will be this will be a story that we look at throughout our whole series maybe by the time it's over I'll figure this out but the friend doesn't respond to the relationship he responds to the shameless persistence Keep reading. So we won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Not based on the relationship, based on the shamelessness. Can I point something out here? A relationship with Jesus is the only thing that removes the shameless, the shame. A relationship with Jesus is the only thing that makes you shameless. 
because we can go on in our lives and we can experience guilt and we can, ex- we can ignore that guilt, but we are still guilty. We can ignore that shame, but we're still shameful. The only thing that removes us of our shame is the blood of Jesus. So when this says that he doesn't respond to the relationship, he responds to the result of the relationship. He responds to the shameless persistence. And when we come to know Jesus, when we really come to know Jesus, we become just like Jesus. That's our goal for every person in this room. Now, some people, that's coming to him today, admitting that you've done wrong, admitting that you need a savior, that you have sinned, repenting from your sin and coming to Jesus. But for some of you, that's just, you need to pray more every day this week. You need to spend more time talking to your father. You need to spend more time with him every morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. We open the doors for you to persistently, shamelessly pursue the Father. Every week we ask, what is your step? What's your step? What is it that God wants you to do today to be more like him. God wants nothing more than to remove your sin and your shame. But the only way he does it is with confession. I want to help you with that. Stand to your feet. Head bows, eye closed. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to help you with that confession piece because I realize that can be scary to repent from our sins and to turn to God that's what brings salvation by believing in our heart that Jesus paid our debt so that we don't have to experience shame so that we don't have to experience guilt so that we don't have to experience death you can have forgiveness what an incredible truth this morning but it's a truth that requires bravery. It requires courage because it, faith is always a step. The, the Bible teaches that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Can I just say It's scary to take a step and not knowing where your foot's going to land. But that's what faith is. I've got my friend Dave, my friend Elaine up here. They would love to pray with you with any burden, any desire that you have. 
But what we have here is an altar where you can come and thank God we don't have to bring animal sacrifice to the altar any longer because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. But we can bring ourselves and we can come and we can give him the shame and leave it on the altar. Get up and walk away shameless. So if you need Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer that will help introduce you to Jesus. However, if you need to come to the altar and you need to leave your shame right here, we're going to sing a song in a moment. During that song, you're welcome to come to the altar and to leave your shame here. You need Jesus. Here's what I want to do this morning. I'm not going to have everyone raise their hand if you need Jesus this morning, things like that. There's a card, that same card that has a prayer request on it, that you can fill out your name, and there's two options on there. I want to follow Jesus, or I'm recommitting to follow Jesus. If you say this prayer with me, do me a favor, just fill that card out, drop it in the black box on your way out so that we can know, so that we can follow up, so that we can understand how we can better help you. If you need Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And because I've done wrong, I have shame. God, I'm giving it to you today. The sin and the shame that Jesus died for on the cross, that he came back to life to give me shamelessness, to give me a true identity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer again, fill out that card. If you need to come and to leave shame at the altar, do it. Let's sing.